gentlemen and industry professionals in the IoT, you are listening to the Real World IoT Podcast. I am Ken Briota, your host. And here on Real World IoT, well, we do what our name suggests. We strip off the varnish, we get past the marketing speak, and we talk about the real world in the Internet of Things industry. My guest today, I'm very excited to have Chris Bunnell, CEO of Unite GPS, which is a startup, a company that's... uh, that's creating new solutions and and making things happen in the IoT, uh, despite uh, <laughs> the obstacles to the contrary. Welcome, Chris. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me. So, uh, in case folks aren't familiar with you or uh, with Unite, why don't you give us the sort of short version of of your background and and what you guys work on? Well, um, we we started in 2014, myself and uh, three three partners, people that I'd worked with for many years. Um, we all of us have a, a solutions background and uh we we started being very interested in this the GPS space and the IoT space uh one of one of my partners worked for Qualcomm as part of their OmniTrax team for for many many years and uh his experience combined with the other partners uh put us in really a good position to develop state of the art cloud based uh GPS solutions and we thought we would, rather than just sort of create tools that were basic and generic, uh, we would try to tailor those solutions to specific industries. So we have a solution for school districts. It's a school transportation safety solution. We have one for uh, public transit companies. And then we do some custom development uh, as part of our work. So... Um, you guys have been located in Portland, Maine for a long time, uh, a couple of years now anyway, right? Um, yeah. uh, I know that you've, uh, recently talked about moving your operations and have moved a lot of your operations out to California, out to San Diego. And some of that has to do with the startup, uh, I, I hesitate to use the world, the word cult, but there's a certain cultiness around the startup entrepreneurial world, and that has uh, not been the most helpful thing in the world to you, has it? It, it hasn't. Uh, in fact, so everything you said there is true. Um, we did have to dismantle our team in Maine and move some of those operations to, to uh, we have a facility in California. Um, I did it reluctantly. I mean, you know, you'd like to think that you can start a tech company anywhere and be successful anywhere. It turns out that Maine is actually a very, very difficult place to do that. Um, it's just it's not Maine's bag. I mean, if people who've been there, they understand it's it's about the outdoors, it's about nature, it's about this big hippie community. Um, people in Maine, by and large, do not like tech. Uh, they and they'd rather not have it. Uh, you know, it was part of their life, and they really just don't support it. So we. You know, it was kind of frustrating for us. We would we'd get really excellent traction, especially out west in Washington State, Oregon, California. Yep. And, you know, people would call us up and like a demonstration, uh, you know, over webinar when, you know, I couldn't even get local people to meet with me. Right. You know, people that I know um, to talk about things. And, you know, it's, it's nothing personal against them. It's just... Yeah just how it is there, and it's, it's not a community that's looking to be on the cutting edge of tech. So uh, I'm sure that some of the listeners are saying, hey, wait a minute. 
the the startup world is all about being on the same team. I, that's all I ever hear is, uh, you know, all we do is is work together and the rising tide lifting all boats and stuff. I mean, are you saying that's not your experience? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, I'd have to say that uh, there's a lot of uh, people sitting around drinking their own bitter Kool-Aid and telling each other how great it tastes. Um, you know, it, it's tough. It's a war. Every single day is a war, and you're not going to move the ball unless you have this warrior mentality. Um, you know, it's it's really up to the entrepreneur not only to create and innovate and make things happen, but also to overcome a lot of the the barriers that are put in front of them. And when I say barriers, I mean, you know, we've said this lie that angel investors are out there to help you. Well. Angel, that's very, very good marketing. Um, they're definitely not there to help you. In fact, they'll make you believe that they're the secret sauce when, in fact, it is the entrepreneur and not yeah. the dollar. Well, because um, they're there to make money. I mean, let's not – let's not. Uh, we're here for unvarnished truth, and the real truth is the angel investor and, and everybody else in any given industry, including the IoT, is there to make money. They want to have a successful business. They want to have – their investments pay off at a reasonable rate of return. And those goals are not always in alignment with the goals of the entrepreneur, who is also trying to make money, but also trying to build a business and and invest back into that business, right? Yeah, absolutely. So as the entrepreneur, I'm, I constantly found myself in position position of trying to evaluate, you know, what, what's real about this opportunity with whatever vendor? Are they... You know, can they really help me and can they add value or are they just going to detract value? So these are like, you know, I really spent, I'd say, a lot of my time trying to navigate around these obstacles. Um, what What are some of the obstacles that, uh, that, that you were running into? I mean, was it just, you know, were there investors who were really pushing hard just to extract their value and and essentially push you to sell are you know what what were some of the the obstacles that were happening that you had to that you had to get navigate around <laughs> you to well, use gps when it comes to funding i think you know entrepreneurs should be thinking bootstrap right because if you start going down this road like we did you know accepting this what i think is a major lie for most companies is, oh, you need funding, you need venture capital, you need somebody to give you a million dollars. Well, you know, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that on the part of the entrepreneur. And then pretty soon, you're all consumed with trying to get this money and your customers are being ignored. So there's a massive trade-off. And if you just say to yourself, hey, I'm going to bootstrap this thing, I'm going to pull together a team that can donate their hours and we can all, you know, work to sort of not go down the road of needing capital. And instead let's focus on, you know, making our customers happy and let them tell the next customer. And that's how we can bootstrap this because customers have, you know, are going to pay you. That's how you're going to bootstrap it. Um, And if you think you're just going to stand up your company by borrowing a million dollars from some outside force, well, you're going to have to be super prepared before anybody's going to give you a nickel, and that will detract you from your main mission. Uh, And I have to imagine that a lot of the time, those nickels come with uh, some pretty heavy-duty strings attached. (laughs) Yeah, true. The the term sheets that were put in front of us were were pretty onerous. Um, 
you know, next thing you know, you're, you're, you're giving up a third of your business and control of your business, uh, to somebody who knows really nothing about it. Um, and who's definitely not going to be taking your call at three in the morning when you're working on something. Sure. Well, I mean, as an entrepreneur, part of it is you, you want to be not working for somebody else. And I feel like a lot of times these funding deals, and I don't want to get too bogged down just in the funding part of this, but these funding deals turn you into an employee, right? I mean, of your, even though you're trying to run your own business. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's absolutely true. Um, I, I do think though, I just a little bit of maybe semantics that you do have to decide you're working for your customer, right? If you're out to make a lot of money, um, wow, that's, you know, your heart's not quite in the right place. If you're really genuinely there to help your customers, they're going to know that and they're going to help you. And, um, you know, until you can get that thing, that piece in alignment, um, you're really fighting an uphill battle. That, that makes a lot of sense. That's a, that's a good point. Um, what are some of were you running into to other types of challenges beyond the funding portion of it? I mean, other pieces of this sort of startup mythology that just did not bear truth. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a million obstacles. Um, to, to turn the conversation a little more toward the IoT side, sure. you know, we use CatLamp devices. Uh, these are GPS enabled devices. They do a lot more than just GPS. Um, you know perfect device for what we wanted it to do because we're, you know, we have this cutting edge cloud technology and Calamp keeps us on the cutting edge with their devices. Um, you know, one of the challenges, there's a gap between where Calamp hands you a device and where what you really need to know in order to uh, make those Calamp devices work. Right. And honestly, there's, there's a gigantic gulf uh, in that system. So, you know, it really takes a lot of investment on the part of, you know, the customer to to look at these devices, write scripts for these devices, test them, figure out what does and doesn't work because the documentation on those devices is really lacking. Okay. So that was a major obstacle for us in overcoming that technical hurdle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that the sort of, especially in if we're talking about IoT and, and other uh Sort of connected technologies, there. Uh, you can't always stay in your lane where your expertise already exists. You're going to have to become a sort of more interdisciplinary expert, or at the very least, get some people on your team who are, because the yeah. the there will be unexpected inter- integration challenges. Yeah, like like our our starting place was, you know, with our systems was. We want it to be super robust. It can't be common. Like, you know, data is cheap. Let's get coordinate updates into the hands of our customers at lightning speed, and let's do it every five seconds, right? Because if you're trying to track a bus, nobody cares where the bus was 30 seconds ago sure. or a minute ago, which most GPS solutions are at a 30-second, 60-second, or, or longer ping rate. So we move that down to five seconds. That's the standard on all our products. Get Finding a device that could handle that, very, very difficult. We would literally, we, we tested a lot of devices. We'd plug in like to an OBD2 port um, testing this device, and the thing would start uh, getting overheated and melting the plastic because we're trying to make it 
perform so you know every five seconds where it's used to like you know every minute right right so recalling some of those obstacles was was one of the things that was really big challenge for us and now you know of course calamp uh supports that right, fabulous right, right. part um so let's uh let's shift gears slightly here and talk about the the other side of this you know you you guys and you personally have uh navigated a, a lot of these challenges uh successfully you know uh and part of that has been you know, sending some of your operations out of where you really initially wanted to operate. Um, And I know that many of my listeners are going to be interested in how you did that. What are some of the the sort of lessons that you've pulled out of this, all of this experience that you would say to an entrepreneur coming up, you know, uh, you know, that isn't about telling everybody how good the bitter tea tastes. You know, it's about actually uh, talking about what, you know, how do you make the tea taste better? Yeah, I think I think first thing you do, you, you got to be real about everything, right? You know, if you accept things at face value and you don't dig a little bit deeper into understanding things, you're going to end up making decisions that are bad for you. So, um, you know, I do think we're going to end up moving some of the operation back to Maine. I, I'm a New Englander, and so, you know, for better or for worse, I mean, we're, we're definitely going to go back there eventually um, once we're in a different place. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, uh, uh, not to spend any time talking about uh, local politics on an international show, but uh, the, you know, the the economies of even more rural states like Maine are becoming more dependent on technology. And so the the legislation and the uh, economies and the infrastructures are going to just by nature of, you know, the force of the marketplace have to evolve to be friendlier to technology. Even in a place like Maine where you say, you know, it's not traditionally the friendliest place <laughs> to uh, to technological innovation. Um, you know, it's, uh, in Maine is where I learned how to navigate with a map and compass. Um, but uh, uh, eventually, everybody's going to understand that it's a little bit easier if you use GPS. You know. <laughs> well, it's it's like it's Maine's such a fantastic place to live. You sure. know, but it's hard for people because you know the jobs that are being created there are fifteen dollar an hour jobs or less. Right. And right. oh. You know, there's not a lot of major employment coming into the state, and you do have a lot of great industries there. A lot of, you know, there's a company called IDEX that's done really, really well. I know IDEX, awesome. yep. uh, Of course, L.O. Bean is there, Unum, um, Bath Ironworks creating ships and, and things like this. You know, I think Maine needs to sort of leverage those industries and, you know, you create opportunities where entrepreneurs can go into those businesses. You know, they, they're competing around the world. They've got problems that need to be solved. Maine has a lot of talented people, most of which is completely underemployed. You know, talented right. people that are that are just, you know, sitting on the couch playing Game Boy because they can only earn, you know, $10 an hour. I mean, you give a person a job that they can make a life around, you right. know? Yeah. I think that's what they need to aspire to. 
And the state just does not do that. They encourage these, you know, really low-end jobs, and they need to focus on entrepreneurs that can can bring, you know, jobs for 50000 100000 and up. Yeah. That's what's going to allow people to live awesome lives in places like Maine. Yeah. Now, I know this is uh, – Unite GPS is your, what, uh, fourth uh, startup that you've that you started and, and been involved with? Um, yes. So uh, what are what are some of the other lessons that uh, that future startups, you know, future entrepreneurs thinking about getting into their next startup or, you know, uh, more commonly leaving their regular enterprise gig and starting the business they've been percolating or working on on the side for a while full time? You know, what are some of the things that they should be ready for in terms of, you know, they're they're going to expect to walk into an accelerator or something like that that's going to help them logistically and get off the ground and whatever a lot of them because that's sort of the 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 mythos around it. what what should they really expect um you know it, so there's a lot of obstacles right and they can all be overcome right they don't have to be a deal killer no matter where you are right so you can make it go in you just have to be a little more crafty and not give up. Like for example, one of the one of the problems in Maine is you have an airport that is going, you know, direct flights to, you know, New York, Baltimore, Chicago, and a handful of other places. Right. So maybe five or ten direct flight destinations. That's very tough on a lot of businesses. Right. So being in a place like Boston or Chicago or New York where you can get a you know, there might be a hundred direct flights yeah. uh, to, to destinations. I mean, that's that is a big deal. So that that impacts our business. That's a little bit tough in Maine. We don't fly a lot, but when we do, it's you know, it's time consuming. So that's that's one thing. Sure. Uh, get yourself a team that is committed. That's that's kind of tricky, right? Because yeah. you know, somebody committed today is one thing, and then they their life changes, their their parent gets ill, they have a child or something happens, they get divorced and suddenly, you know, they they're they can't be as committed as they were or something changes. So, you know, build a team that is committed but leave flexibility in that team so that if someone has to pull back a little bit, you don't have to blow the team up. Right. It, if you can, you want to try to keep it in place as long as you can because there's a lot of battles you're going to need to fight together. Um, be fair, open, and transparent with people. So, you know, your business partners, show them every receipt, show them every receivable, give them access to the bank account. Um, because if somebody thinks you're trying to cheat them or you're not being fair with them or you're using the company's money as a piggy bank, you're dead. You're yeah. done. Well, yeah, and I, I, God, I imagine that's a big one. Uh, my my thinking would be that there's either there, I feel like there's different camps. There's one camp that obviously you do that 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 makes all the sense in the world, and then the other camp is well that's how I get taken advantage of. I gotta protect myself by keeping the secrets and things like that. Uh, it it seems to me that the more open you are, the more protected you are. Is that is that your experience too? Is that I I think so. I think so. I mean, 
you know, I've I've seen it happen both ways in the different startups I've been involved with. Um, nothing's better than having the trust of your partners, and to do that, you got to share it with them. Um, are there any sort of killers? What are the what are the the ones that that you've seen an entrepreneur get involved with something, or it seemed like a good idea at the time and it was a trap? I mean, are there sharks in the water, real ones that are out to just act like your buddy up front, maybe fund you a little bit, and then just take it out from under you? What do people have to watch for? Oh gosh, yeah, I I'm sure that's out there. I I have not run into that. I mean, I think. You know, there's one one thing is you know holding out a service to to a startup company and wanting to make a dollar off it. You know, that's obviously you know common. Uh, I don't really think there's you know at least I haven't run into a situation where someone was actually being nefarious and trying yeah. to just out and out cheat me. Um, so you know yeah. maybe that's being cautious, but I'm sure that's, you know, the case for a lot of entrepreneurs probably have that experience. Yeah, well, that's that's why I wanted to ask the question is because, you know, it's part of what we're talking about here is, you know, the cautionary tale, and I wanted to make sure we didn't go too far afield, that, you know, that it's still an open economy for entrepreneurs. There's a lot of a lot of paths to success, you know, and and I think that that's that's important to talk about too. And so that's what I'm hoping we can shift to now is what are some of the the best practices and and good things that uh you know the, the paths to success that you've seen that that work for for the entrepreneurial business, the startup in the IoT that you know beyond having the good idea, beyond having the the good uh you know the the thing that actually addresses a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think, you know, one thing is having a single good idea, right? Don't have 50 good ideas and that dilute your energies. Like one good idea, focus on that. That's, that's really helpful. I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, MTI up in Maine, which is Maine Technology Institute. It's a government, uh, quasi government organization that provides grant funding to entrepreneurs awesome, awesome organization. Uh, anyone can apply. you got to have, you know, some kind of a cohesive plan on what you want to get done. But they'll give you $25,000 to try something out. And uh, they've given us a couple grants that have been really instrumental in helping us. So um, for, for Maine's, for all that I think needs to be improved in Maine's uh, startup community, I would say MTI has got it right. Um, so if your state has you know, that kind of a group. Uh, yeah. Also those folks. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a good, uh, first of all, a nice call out for, for MTI. Uh, I've heard of them before. I know they do I know they do good work. And many states and have similar organizations that are available out there and um, that with a little bit of creative Googling, you can find them. Um, yeah. How do you feel about the, the accelerators and the sort of uh, – vendor-led IoT uh, 
startup ecosystems. You know, I know uh, Intel and IBM both run accelerator networks, and and there are some uh, smaller local ones that you know various cities will run. Uh, how do you feel about those? Do they do they seem to, uh, to provide dividends, or have you messed with them very much? I I, I wish I could speak to that. I I really don't know. As far as I know, we don't have anything like that in Maine, so uh, it's kind of foreign to me. Yeah. Okay. About what happened. Uh, I was just—I was just sort of curious because I—I hear a lot of news about them, uh, and I know a lot of folks uh, work with them, um, and so I was just curious whether or not you'd cross paths there. Um, if you end up doing so, I'd love to touch back, touch back with that, and and figure out sure. uh, figure out what your experience was like. Um, as we uh, as we get near. Uh, near the end of time here, um, what haven't we talked about that you think is important for the the IoT specific entrepreneur or, or startup to to consider? Well, I, I think um, you know IoT is it's, it's everywhere now, right? It's sure. it's uh, reading your water bill like on a monthly basis on time without someone having to visit your location. It's it's, uh, you know, all those utility things that can be taken care of. It's, you know, managing your your house via remote. It's lighting. It's There's so many aspects to it that it's almost unfathomable, like, where we're going. You know, security, I think, is a huge issue. Um, yep. you know, we're getting there, I and, think. I think folks are, are taking it more seriously than we ever have before in the industry, and, and we're starting to see some, some really interesting solutions happen. Yeah. And... And you know, combining things that we never thought we'd combine before, we've never even thought of it because we couldn't do it, right? Like, you know, in, in our solution uh, for schools, you know, we're getting school information system data. So the data that has, you know, the child's name, their picture, their address, all of that information is living in a different system. We're now getting that information live into our system, which creates an opportunity for the transportation directors to connect kids to bus stops and really nail down and have a beautifully planned route to do optimization. Uh, you know, it opens the doors to solutions that didn't exist before. So I think, uh, you know, there are so many opportunities to combine new, new little elements of IoT with data that's out there and various systems and bringing this stuff together. It's going to open up the world for solutions that we've never even thought of. It's really uh, the Wild West. Yeah, um, and uh, I think that's uh, th- that's really just rampant with opportunity. Uh, a lot of folks are going to have a chance to to do a lot of things. Uh, the last the last section that that I want you to talk about is the partners and the um, who do you what do you look for in a partner? Uh, uh, another business, you know, another startup that that you might want to work with that has a complementary solution or, uh, you know, something where you could package your two solutions together into a comprehensive, you know, platform solution kind of thing. If you were looking for that, who would, what would you be looking for in a partner? Um, first of all, it's got to be someone you trust, right? So you're preferably someone you've known for some time and have done some, some amount of work together. I think that's, that's, uh, you know, is a good foundation for a partnership. Uh, you know, in business, if you're coming together with, you know, trying to create a solution, sometimes you don't have that luxury where it's sort of like, you know, 
these guys are doing this piece, we're doing this piece, and we're going to work together. And, um, and that works too, uh, but it has more risk, I think, yep. of failure. Uh, so, so definitely somebody that you've got some some history with, or or some sense of the way they work, and that you can trust them. What else? What else is important to consider? Well, um, you know that they're competent and can actually deliver on their piece of it, and moreover that they're they have the willingness to sort of you know roll up their sleeves when the going gets rough. Yeah. You know because. <clears throat> nothing nothing ever goes according to plan it always gets messed up <laughs> and uh <laughs> in, in the end you, get, you need to take care of the customer and so uh you know if you've got a partner who's equally willing and equally focused uh on the customer then you can then you can take care of that customer if if you've got a partner who says well yeah, I came to the table and I'm providing x and y and z I'm not providing you know this additional piece without you know something else uh wow makes it hard yeah yeah i think so and and uh the i think i think focusing on the customer is a great way to wrap this up because when it comes to any business but really specifically with the iot customer focused solutions are really the the beginning and the end. If you're not doing that, if you're too wrapped up in in what your tech can do rather than focusing on the problem and the customer, you're not going to succeed. And if you focus on the customer, you've got a much better chance, I think. It's a general yeah, general rule that works. Yeah, I think, you know, we in our company, we don't build anything, nothing that's our idea. It has to come to us through a customer and the the design and development of it well, the design of it certainly is going to involve a customer. The testing of it is going to involve a customer. And so that's how we're evolving our our solutions to become better and better and better. And that is listening to the customers. Let them tell you how this thing's supposed to work. Yeah. Because they have a vested interest in it working. And if you're helping them solve a problem, they're the best part. Awesome. Um how can folks find out more about you and about uh, Unite GPS out on the worldwide interwebs? Well, the we're we're uh, Unite U N I T E GPS, not to be confused with United. Everyone puts a D in there, so Unite GPS. And uh, anyone who would like to chat is welcome to reach out to me. Uh, there's a little form there you can fill out, and, and it comes to me. So uh, just send your info over, and and I'll definitely get back with you. Awesome. And uh uh make sure that you uh that you folks out there listening, if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to uh Real World IoT uh powered by one fifty one advisors. Uh we're really hoping to start some conversations, get some uh get some real lessons and, and learnings out there for uh for all you listeners and if you have thoughts, comments, ideas, uh and uh, anything else that you'd like to share with us, please reach out. Uh, we are happy to hear from you, and uh, all the contact information is in the show notes there. So make sure you join us. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It's been uh, really enlightening and, and really helpful, I think. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Well, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. 
Make sure you go online to check out more content on how you can monetize the connected world at 151advisors.com. That's 151advisors.com for all the information and content like this podcast that will help you power your business and monetize your business into the next phase of the IoT. Thank you again for listening to Real World IoT powered by 151 Advisors. I am your host, Ken Briota, signing off. See you next time. 